Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage. Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hey, we are back again. This is The Cares, Matt and... Lindsay. Hi, guys. Glad to be with you again. So uh, last week, you may remember, if you haven't listened to last week, or our podcast from last week, um, go back and listen to it. But if you have, you may remember we had a little bit of a tearful start to our Sunday um, prepping for, for Lindsay coming back to church this yeah. week. And then church was relatively uh, neutral, no, not a lot of um, tears or not a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week was very different. And yeah. why is that? Um, I think the main reason this week was so different, like really drastically different for me especially, um, is because I spent the entire week kind of prepping for it. I did lots of work on just kind of my thoughts of being curious about like what my thoughts were about church and why I went to church in the first place and why I'm returning, you know, for this temporary, um, stint and, um, yeah. And why church, uh, a few months ago when I went was so painful. And so anyway, I, I just did a lot of work this week and my experience today was completely different than it has been in the past. And it was really exciting Um, It gave me so much hope for myself and other people who have left the church to be able to have um, a semblance of peace, you know, about their time that they spent in the church and about their time, you know, um, now that they've left the church, just, you know, like just figuring out a way to to um, have peace around your um, your decision to step away and your decision to continue to support your friends and family if you if you choose to you know, to continue to support people who do choose to keep going to church. And of course, my experience, I don't know that we have to say this, you probably already know, but our experience is just our experience, right? Like, we know that there are probably some of you who have, you know, who have chosen to not support friends or family for different reasons who are still part of the church, and and we don't know your story. And so this is just our story. And we, we personally feel like it's um, of great use to us to learn as best we possibly can how to make our mixed faith marriage not just survive but thrive and how to also have our relationships with people who are in or out of the church thrive and to have them, you know, just be something that we can really be proud of and really work hard on and um, feel like, you know, like there's a possibility for them to really just be better than they ever even were before. So, and I think, I think a lot of that has been, um, a lot of the way that we've been able to do that is through, through coaching, right? Through, Mm -hmm. um, life coaching, because that's, that's a way to kind of examine and look at your thoughts. Um, that's really what it is. It's just a tool to kind of examine your thoughts. And, And one of the things that I think, um, we we both have have uh, coaches ourselves, and and we are coaches as well, um, and so it's super helpful to to look at your thoughts, and and that's one of the things that I think you did this week so well, right? Is you took a moment to mm-hmm. kind of examine your thoughts. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, totally. So one of my um, favorite coaches who I've never actually met before, but I dream to someday. Um, I tell Matt sometimes she like her books are like my new scriptures. I I just value them so much and I highlight them and underline and just cross reference them. <laughs> and they're so good. But if you don't know of Byron Katie, I would recommend that you look her up and um, and read some of her books. Her name is Byron Kathleen Mitchell, but her yeah she goes by Byron Katie. And so what I did was I looked through one of her books and I found a sequence where she was coaching a gentleman about his work life. And it's, 
I, immediately as I started reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, if I translated this into religion, I think this sequence, the coaching sequence would totally make sense and would feel very useful. And so what I did was I wrote down um, the conversation that she had in the book with this gentleman, and I just translated it into a conversation as if she was coaching me, because that's my dream, to be coached by Byron Katie. <laughs> so and I get goes, to be Byron Katie yeah, this time? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. So Matt's going to be Byron Katie, and I'll be me, because I'm really good at being me. So this is your dream sequence of uh, Byron Katie coaching you, basically. Mm-hmm. What's your problem? I would say I'm not attracted to the LDS church because they seem very inconsiderate of members who go through faith transitions and leave the church. Okay, so the LDS church should be considerate of people who leave it. Is that true? Yes, I think so. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Whoever told you that? They profess to follow Jesus, and that means they are considerate of doubters. Your friends and family who are active tell you that they are considerate of doubters. The prophets and general authorities tell you in their talks that they are considerate of doubters. What's the reality in your experience? Are they? In my experience, at least for now, they are not very considerate. So that's the only place you sanely come from, your current reality. Is it true that they should be considerate of people like you who have left? No. In your mind, they're not. That's it. That's your reality. How do you react when you believe the lie that they should be considerate of people and they're not? It's frustrating and anxiety-inducing. I feel like I have to defend the disaffected. I feel like I have to tell my husband how annoyed I am with them being so close-minded and inconsiderate to those who don't believe. I feel like I have to keep waiting until the church is better so I can see it as respectable. Okay, so can you see the reason to drop the thought they should be considerate of those who are doubting and want to leave? And I'm not asking you to drop it. Just be curious about it. Without that thought, I would feel more free to move forward in my life, less shackled with heavy thoughts and more liberated to do what I want. That's a very good reason. Can you find one stress-free reason to keep that thought that opposes your reality? Because reality, as you see it, is that they are not conservative doubters. And you're saying that they should be. I hear you say that this causes you a lot of frustration and anxiety. Okay, I think I'm getting it. My reality is that they are not considerate of doubters. What's making me crazy is thinking they're supposed to be, rather than just accepting it. In your reality, they're inconsiderate, whether you accept it or not. Reality doesn't wait for our approval or agreement. It is what it is. You can count on it. In your reality, dogs bark, cats purr, churches aren't very considerate or sensitive to the needs of those who have left them. Your reality is what is. Yes, and your reality is always much kinder than your fantasies. Try this proof of truth exercise. They should be considerate of doubters. Where's your proof? Make a list and see if any of it really proves that they should be considerate when you put it up against inquiry. It's a lie. There's no proof. The truth is that they shouldn't be considerate because, at least in your mind, they aren't. Not considerate of those who are disillusioned, anyway. All my post-Mormon angst is about thinking that the church should be considerate of outliers. My truth is that they just aren't. The piece that I added, which made me nuts, was that they should be. The fact is, I'm going to have to be considerate of the marginalized. I'm just going to do it. By adding that they should do that for me, I worked myself up into an effing emotional tizzy. Welcome to Utah. I didn't know you used the F word in Utah. Just fake swearing. Fake swearing's our favorite. All right. So they exist and do things. 
and you put your story on them and call your suffering their fault. You believe your story and live in a stressful fantasy that they are your problem. Who would you be without this insane story that argues with your reality? I would just be in the flow and have so much more mental energy to move forward and become my best me. Who would you be sitting with these people at their church? I would be empathetic, knowing I once believed what they still do and that they are doing their best with what they have just like me. Yes. The LDS Church should be considered of doubters. Turn it around. The LDS Church should not be considerate. You've got it. Not until it is. That's your reality for now. There are a couple more turnarounds. Uh, I should be considerate of doubters. I like that. That feels true to me. Okay. The church is your teacher and curiosity about others' imperfections and your own brings you to the highest level of competence in your life. No mistakes. Yes, they are my teacher. I can feel that. Here's another. You should be considerate of the church. Yes, I see how if I'm curious about why they do what they do, I can give them the benefit of the doubt and assume they are doing their best, even when their best feels crummy. My best is that way too sometimes. You're catching on. In the moment that you see them as inconsiderate, you are inconsiderate. They are perfectly considerate for what they're supposed to give you. And that is clarity. That's, what that's their gift to you. And they may bring more of it. Who knows? When you see that it is only your thinking that you need to work with, then every problem you experience in the world becomes a joy to be curious about. For people who really want to know the truth, being inquisitive about the story you are telling is checkmate. The only thing I need from them is to be there for me to learn from. The rest I can give to myself. Cool. So I think, I think that's really dense and it might, be take, it might take people to like a few times to listen to it because it took me a few times to read it. But let's kind of sum it up. I think um, the summary of that, I would say, is that, that the moment we start thinking somebody else should be doing something for us to feel good, we give away all our power to them. Totally, for sure. Um, that's Yeah, that's exactly what was happening to me in the past was I was going into church and then my, you know, in coaching we always say your eye sees what your mind looks for. And my mind was totally looking for ways that they were not going to meet my needs or that they were not going to be considerate of, you know, of people who are marginalized. And of course I found it every time. And I wasn't doing it on purpose. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just, it just was like where my brain was naturally going. I think it feels very scary and sometimes alienating to to leave you know a tribe that you've been such a huge part of for so long and your brain does crazy things when that happens you get you get kind of crazy sometimes in your head and you think that you have to hold on to things because they feel super super important and in reality when you start questioning them and being curious about them sometimes those things you're holding on to so tightly are just causing you to suffer. And so that's kind of what I figured out this last week. And let me tell you how much that can change going to church. We sat through two meetings. I don't even know that it's important to tell everyone like what the meetings were about because they were normal Mormon meetings. It was a sacrament meeting that was um, lots of wonderful things were said. And then there were also, of course, probably some other things said which anyone could have construed as being maybe a little bit closed-minded or a little bit hurtful or inconsiderate. But honestly, I'm not kidding you. My brain just was not looking for that today, and I just didn't see it. I just didn't hear it. 
I, I know it happened because I, I mean, it just, you know, like it just kind of pings in your head, ping, oh, there was one, but it didn't bug me. I was like, oh, okay, yep. I think what I felt like today is I felt like a visitor. And this is something that my coach, uh, Claudine Gallagher, helped me with this week. Um, Claudine is a life coach and her website is Postmormon Mental Health. And I met her when we were coaching together um, in, in Texas a year ago. And she has been just a lifesaver for me. Um, I was coaching with her this last week and she was kind of helping me understand that I am a visitor when I go to the Mormon church. I do not consider myself to be Mormon anymore. And so walking in there and thinking they're not meeting my needs or, or they're offending me, that kind of thing, if that kind of stuff is running through your brain, um, like you wouldn't have that stuff run through your brain if you were a visitor in someone else's church, right? You wouldn't go there expecting for them to somehow meet your needs or for them to say things that feel considerate and thoughtful of your of your position. You just know that they're there trying to support one another and trying to learn from one another and doing the best they can and you wouldn't judge them like that. And so I think her helping me figure that out was huge because I did, I went today feeling, she, she told me, go to church today like you're a sociologist, kind of see this as like kind of a project where you're going to a church and you're learning about that church and I've done this before. I mean, I took my kids as soon as I, as soon as I went through my faith transition, we started attending lots of different churches. We went to a, a humanist church up in Ogden. We went to a Catholic church here in Bountiful. We went to a couple of other Christian churches, you know, in our community. And every time we went, I was never looking for ways they could meet my needs or ways to like, to be critical of, of, you know, the rhetoric or the doctrine that they were talking about over their, you know, over their mic. It was, it wasn't that at all. I was just kind of enjoying, like, learning something new about their culture and about their, you know, about their religion. And so when you, that would just be my advice. You know, if you do not consider yourself to be Mormon anymore and you want to be able to support your spouse now and then or go to meetings now and then, you know, for family or friends, consider yourself a visitor. Consider yourself someone who's going to a Catholic church, an Amish church, um, you know, a Jehovah's Witness church. Yeah, wherever. Yeah. Um, Just consider yourself a visitor who is just being curious and just enjoying all of the good that is there because there is so much good in the Mormon church. And it's it's so disheartening when you're always looking for the bad. And it's not that you're doing it consciously. You're really not. Your brain is just kind of um, it's in survival mode, right? And it just feels like, yeah, like somehow having more evidence that they're bad and you're good feels good sometimes. And it seems really demented, but, but it's just your brain trying to do what brains do best, which is to be efficient and to, you know, to avoid pain. And so when your brain goes there, don't beat yourself up. Just be curious and remember you're a visitor and it will help. Totally. I think, so. and I think about the, the people, the spouses of, of the, the people who have left the church. And I think something that's interesting is that when you're, sometimes what happens, um, our friend Jody Moore talks about this, when, you, when your spouse leaves the church, you in some ways leave, if they leave religion, you leave your religion as well as soon as you start treating them like they're less than or, you know, they're, they're not... Um, they're not doing what you want them to do. Uh, you, in effect, have basically left your religion aside as well because you start treating them like they, you know, they're they're a sinner. They're a, you know they're they're less than. They're they're not worthy of of your love or whatever. And and that's not really what um, 
you want to be as a as a member of the LDS Church, as a member of as somebody who is trying to follow the example of Christ. You want to to be somebody who is who is loving and who is accepting and who is embracing and and so uh, looking at the things that you and your spouse have in common, I think is is super powerful. It will help you um, to to try and understand where they're coming from because they're doing their best, just like you're trying to do your best. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you recognize that, like this like this example shows, the moment you start saying to somebody, "You should be doing this." Um, you're you're giving all your power to them and yeah and i think it's i think it's powerful to take your own power back and and be like i love you and i trust you to do what you're doing Mm -hmm. and i trust me to do what i want to do Mm -hmm. totally yeah i think one last thing i wanted to share it this totally reminded me of um a couple of summers ago when we were in indiana visiting an amish family and we visited with some of their relatives who have now left the amish religion as well and we were, I was expressing to them how I would love to be Amish. I was like, that, that lifestyle appeals to me in many ways. Like, just the simplicity of it and the, just the beauty of, I mean, they just live such a natural, beautiful life. And we were, you know, t- telling this to some of their relatives and they were like, oh, never. Like, I would never want to be Amish. And, and they, um, they've had hard times because their family who are Amish, you know, very much like the LDS Church, they believe that that is the only way to get back to God. And that, you know, that they, they need to stay in their religion their whole lives or that's definitely, you know, sinning, erring in God's eyes. And so, um, yeah, so for those of them who have left, like it would be easy to make that something about you. You know, when you hear your cousin saying, you know, like, yeah, don't leave the Amish faith or you're, you know, you're not going to heaven. Um, you know, it'd be, it would be obviously very simple to make that mean something about you. And um, so I thought about them and I thought, oh my gosh, like, so isn't that interesting? So I went and watched those Amish people having no relation to them and not making it mean anything about me and I was able to see the beauty in it and their relatives who are so much closer to it and who have you know probably had some really hurtful things said to them by their relatives who are Amish for them it was it wasn't easy to see the beauty in the Amish faith anymore and so I was like oh my gosh it's the same way right so if I can go back to the LDS church occasionally from time to time when I choose to and I can see them like I saw the Amish just like wow that isn't that interesting how they do this or that or the other and and just look for the beautiful things um it just will be such a better experience for me and i'm guessing my husband might not even mind when i come he'll be like he'll he might even invite me right occasionally hey you should come to church because it might not ruin the rest of our day or our week and that would be nice right totally yeah in fact i love i love it and i love like i love listening to you when you talk about some talk to me about some of your clients and the things that you're learning with them from your from our mixed faith marriage coaching, mm-hmm. um, I love that because the the other thing that I, I I've been I, the thing that I thought about all week um, is trying to have empathy for you and trying to like understand where you're coming from because sometimes in our relationship and I learned this uh, talking to to our friend Jody Moore again she was talking about how sometimes our relationships um, have different dynamics and and. One of the dynamics that we were in, especially when we would talk about relationship or about religion, was kind of a teenager relationship or a, or a sibling relationship where it, you know how it is with your siblings, like you want to prove that you know a little bit more, you're always competing for that big piece of the pie or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I was super, the last two weeks I've been trying to be super conscious about like where my brain would go because that's an easy place for my brain to go, mm-hmm. like, especially like. 
I, I believe in the LDS church, you don't. So then it's like this easy competition kind of thing. Yeah. And that's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a sibling with you. I don't want to have that kind of relationship. You don't kiss your sisters? No. <laughs> no, I don't. And, and I don't want to have that type of relationship where I'm thinking of you like a sibling that I'm mm-hmm. in competition with. No, I've totally noticed that you've been doing that because I think for a long time I would just vent, you know, frustrations and then it, I, I didn't really want you to solve it or like, um, I just wanted you to listen. And lately it's, it feels like you've just been like, oh, like that sounds hard. Like instead of saying, well, you're probably wrong. If you would just think about it different, you know, or coach me. <laughs> it's only your thoughts. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, screw you. <laughs> but no, lately I haven't felt that way at all. I, I felt like both of us are trying harder to just listen when the other person's talking. Unless they say, what do you think about that? They don't really want your opinion. They don't really want your feedback. They just want you to listen and say, oh, that sounds hard. Which is super tricky in a in a house with with a couple of coaches who are who are coaching each other. Yeah. Who don't are, coach your spouse. Like I didn't, don't yeah. coach your friends. Don't do it. Yeah. Just listen to them unless yeah. they want advice or feedback. Like that's why you hire a coach is to be coached to have someone to hold the space for you to not believe your story. But you should believe your spouse's story. Totally. <laughs> believe that it's hard for them. Believe that they feel bad. Believe that when they go to church, it feels really awful sometimes. You know. So, yeah. And I, yeah, I think that was, that's been my big, my big breakthrough for me for the last couple of weeks is like, uh, studying Brene Brown, learning about empathy and then talking to Jody about that. Um, it, and, and just trying to figure out the dynamic that I want to have in our relationship. I want to have a partner dynamic where we communicate with each other, mm-hmm. where we're, we're friends and we talk about things and we like, we can suggest things and offer thoughts. But it's not a competition. It's it's a partnership where we're trying to we're we're both working towards the same goal. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's that's often what happens in mixed faith marriages. I think sometimes we think, um, well, we used to be working towards the same goal, but now I don't know what goal we're working towards. You can still find common ground. You can still find like the things that you agree upon, and chances are more you agree upon more things than you disagree upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we have overstayed our welcome. So we will check out now. Thanks for listening. It is so wonderful to be a part of this crew with all of you. And we are just always cheering for you from the sidelines. 